Well, hello there. It's Rochelle and Carter, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. My parents are cute. Yeah. We do it like, like preteen. Oh. We are adorable. <laughs> Before cute. preteen. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Did I say that? Well, yeah, I, 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 when acne comes, you're not cute anymore. Is that, would that be right? I still think that my children are adorable. No, They're always going to be. No matter the age. But I think collectively, universally, people are oh, how cute uh-huh. when you are pre that age. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think there comes a point in life where you... Become cute again. Yeah. And my parents are definitely there. A certain age, you're cute again. My mom, she and I are talking about my niece Uh and she informs me, your niece absolutely loves the music of Biebler. Biebler. Bieber. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's Bieber, but she called him Biebler. Um, There's no (laughs) sense in correcting it. I mean, because. Why? Why? She's paid her dues. There's no test that she has coming up where she needs. Let it go. You know, she hung in there with me during high school, (laughs) you know, and in part with her grandchildren. At this point, it's fine. Yes. Biebler. Oh, Biebler. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) One time my mom said uh, she was telling me something she probably shouldn't have been. And Mm -hmm. she goes, but don't tell anybody that and keep that on. uh, What is it? Keep it on the download. On the download. Not it's it's the download or the DL. It's you know what? Never mind. It's okay. But I really appreciate you trying, mom. She was, that's what she, she was, was doing. Yeah. As somebody who's going to be a dad in a month. Oh yeah. I know that I'm going to be irrelevant like very soon. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I'm not going to get the lingo. Yeah. After Elmo's world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Be prepared to pass the baton on to your young son. <laughs> he will now know things you will not know, including technology. There will be new technology. What are the kids saying these days? The bees knees. Oh, he's going to be so on it. And the toys that they have nowadays are even more advanced than what it took to launch yeah. Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. That's so true. Anyway. Um, so this is where we talk about what we're going through spiritually and just, and of course, you know, you might be listening to this uh, on the next rocket launch. I don't know. Um, but at where we're at as a country, uh, George Floyd uh, is a man that uh, was, was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. Of course, George Floyd is an African-American and uh, the, the officer was, was, is white. Um, and so this is where a lot of us are at spiritually right now. On figuring out, you know, as believers in Jesus, where will God have me? Does he have me? Where should I stand? What should I say? What should I do? Yeah. What, how do I participate in what our world is participating in? Um, And I want to say too, we're, especially, uh, we talked about this in the one we did a a few weeks ago about, you know, racial divide. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, elephant in the room, white elephant in the room. Uh, We're a couple of white people. Um, And so I know we're not going to have every, um, uh, we're certainly not going to have a viewpoint that some will, uh, but that's what we're going to bring up is the people that we've talked to sure. that have the African-American viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, this is just uh, well, it's not live. Uh, it's kind of fast paced and we might say something that we don't realize can be taken a certain way. And we're just going to we're just going to flow and, and we're going to be able to stop more than we do on radio. But there's a song that uh, Micah Tyler has recrafted. And the song is called Honest, uh-huh. and he recrafted it specifically for this time frame in having just an honest conversation. Yep. And, yeah, I think you have to put, um, in, in so many words, you just have to kind of just charge through conversations sometimes because mm-hmm. we get, I tend to get nervous about oh, eggshells. Nerve- and completely nerve-wracking, Not yes. wanting to offend. I want to be sensitive to uh, our audience, to where they're at, and... It is going to be impossible to hit everybody's bat in that regard. And so just right now, uh, we love you. You are our family. Would you uh, take a second 
Yeah. And pray yeah. for all of our defenses to be dropped. Because we're going to get into sure. a little bit of uh, some of my friends that were defensive about something. And yeah. I think the heart of all of this is to have this honest, open conversation and truly hear each other out. Absolutely. Um, there is such power in listening to one another and to loving each other. So, Father, I thank you for showing us what love looks like through you, your humility in coming to this world in the first place and dying for us on a cross and rising up again for us so that we could live eternally with you. And you showed us how to live through your acts of service and asked us to follow you, to pick up our cross and follow you. So what that looks like in terms of humbling myself today and just figuring out where do you want me, Father, in this moment? How can I align myself with your love for others and for for those who may feel like they've been wounded, for those who feel like they have done nothing to wound others, for all perspectives, Father, we want to align ourselves with your spirit. And I do pray for the peace that only you can give that just boggles the mind because we can't wrap our minds around it. Just to transcend, Father, in the midst of all conversations regarding this, that would help promote healing. Mm. We want to be sensitive Lord, but at the same time, what we do humanly, we get our defenses ready. And honestly, some that some of that reaction, that's very human. You gave us those defensive things. Like if somebody bats their hand in front of you, you immediately put up your dukes a little bit to try to shield yourself so as not to be wounded. But Father, your love defends me. Father, in these things that are emotionally sometimes wounding, your love Put that shield around us, Father, so that we can truly hear one another and love each other well. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So you're talking about how nerve-wracking the conversation can be. Yeah. And that's why I think that I don't I don't bring this up uh, with a lot of uh, my friends of color. Because I don't ever, I was telling uh, Purnell this, a guy that works with us, mm-hmm. I, was, I, I said, I, I don't want to just uh, call you up and go, so you're African-American. What do you think about this? Like, I just think that can be, and yet right now where we're, where we're at as a country is recognizing differences and hearing viewpoints. Sure. And so he was really, because when I asked, when I told him that, I was also checking in with him about how he's doing. And uh, he said, this is what I think that we should be doing is mm-hmm. checking in with each other. And so just hearing some of the viewpoints, I had posted this on my Facebook uh, that said um, that there's this little girl, you know, that was just talking about that, uh, um, you know, loving people and, and holding this sign. And I said, this is so good. I hope we people who are not of color can realize we don't have to be defensive. Just hearing someone out who is in pain. There are a lot of what can I even do moments that have crossed my mind. And while I don't consider myself an activist of any sort, I do want to love people well. I mean, that is what the Bible calls us mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it's just reaching out to someone of color that you know and saying, how you doing? Instead of opinions on sites like Facebook, what about talking to the person you actually already know and love yeah. and hearing their real feelings about it? And I think I think one to start is let's have a diversity in the people we know. Even if it's even if you just grew up and you only knew white people, what about talking to your neighbors or somebody at church or I mean, my goodness, somebody at this restaurant that you go to mm-hmm. uh, work um, in the city that we live in in, in Houston yeah. is very diverse. So it would it would be easier in in certain places, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, But to be able to reach out and even just be friendly. Yeah. You know? And so one person, a person that is, is white uh, commented on there and 
you know, basically said that all people are important. You oh, know, and, sure. They are. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about at this moment. How we kind of equated it a couple of different ways. My wife and I are about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And let's say I go to the hospital with her and she's in labor. Yeah. And let's just say I trip and break my arm. Um, at that particular moment, uh, we're both important. We're, we were already both important. Mm -hmm. uh, my pain is, is important. I need to get that arm fixed. But at this particular time, we're concentrating on her. Yeah. Um, and she's, dare, dare I say, I, no, I, I, I think this is, I think all people would agree with this too. She has gone through more than I've gone through. Mm. Historically. Yes. If we're going to, I mean, in America, it has not been equal. The African-American community has gone through more than white people have gone through. Now, I know if we break that down individually, I think that's where people get caught up. Yeah. Well, you don't know my struggle. Dot, dot, dot. You know, yeah. my husband's a police officer. And, oh, and yeah. that is yeah. that is hard. Oh, my gosh. And we're praying sure. for them, too. Sure. But I think what's being stated and where I've been able to hear the message a little more, mm -hmm. it's it's twofold. It's hearing it of saying, OK, but this is what we're talking about currently, right. because it's it's African-Americans that we're, we're, we're saying there, there's an issue here. There's an imbalance here. And also what's really helped me out is what I just talked about with Purnell hearing the people that I know and love of color. Yes. The maybe I've never even really talked much about race before because they're just my friends. They're just my friends. Um, but hearing their perspectives mm. where we've had somebody that worked with us that we didn't know that her brother and her uncle had been thrown down on the hood of a car, a cop car multiple times. Um, I didn't know that my friend Chris that is African-American that has a son with autism fears him growing up and not understanding the commands of an officer. Mm. Mm -hmm. fears that yeah these these things are real whatever you want to say because i know there's so much dispute yes of historical facts and all that and you know people will say well we've we've moved on you know we've had a black president and we're, we're past slavery and we passed civil rights you know people will say that stuff and so i think where you have to go with it is embracing all people like jesus says to do and then getting how they feel and how they've been treated when you might not realize it yeah. because you don't have that viewpoint. And that that's just where I've gone. I've been spiritually and just praying for our country and realizing that I don't have all the answers. And that's OK. That's where the defensives drop mm -hmm. and say, let me truly listen to people and hear their real life experiences. Jesus was just such a guy who never shied away from topics mm -hmm. that were tough. Mm -hmm. And he was a great listener. A case in point, when when somebody was brought to him in need of help, I have a wound, I need help. He never presumed anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you have me do was a comment I remember reading. I'm sure it was obvious in some cases they had leprosy or whatever. What would you have me do? Yeah. What is at most level of importance to you? Mm. Um, I, and then he would listen to what their need was. So I, I think that's huge. Oh, my word. And plus, let me just ask you this. Have you hung out with anybody for three years of your life, committed to walking with that person, living life with that person, doing everything with that person who was not a good listener, and then be willing to go and die for that person? Mm. Because that's what these men, these disciples, and Mary Magdalene, now I don't know if she was martyred, uh, but she followed the Lord and many, in fact, women of influence in their community 
followed and helped even financially assist if they needed meals and things like that. Um, they followed mm. this incredible man. Why? I'm pretty sure he was a great listener. Yeah. And when he spoke, he weighed it before he said it. Mm. And, you know, the difference being, obviously, um, yeah, he was human. He felt the things we feel. I mean, he, that was one of the reasons why he came, so that I could empathize with you on every level. He yeah. knew what it was like for people to look down at him. He was a carpenter. He was uh, a Jewish man. And in that community at that time, the Roman Empire was the high society and the Jews were dogs, you know. I mean, it's, he knows what it's like to to be less than. And he even connected with the people in regards to their own uh, racial biases about the Samaritans mm -hmm. who were half-breeds, they're half-Jewish, mm. you know. These are things that he wanted to make sure that his disciples were aware of his stance on, uh, and it made it into the Gospels, and we can read about it. I'm so grateful that he went and had those hard conversations and, and talks and listened and modeled how we are to behave. And so if I've ever struggled with Yes, I, I know if you've ever struggled with being defensive, that's a thing for me. I get very defensive very quickly. Mm -hmm. But God wants me to calm myself because where is this hurt? If somebody is even spewing things at me out of hurt, where is it coming from? How does Jesus see this person right now? What is going on in their world? And this, I'm saying this from any stance at, of this particular conversation right now in regards to George Floyd. We've heard from people in our position in radio uh, where we've had police officers' wives call us desperate for prayer, fear for their, their spouses, good men and women who are trying to do the job that they vowed to do. They took an oath to do to serve and protect. We have heard from black brothers and sisters who are saying we just need our white brothers and sisters in the Lord to stand with us, to just stand and say we recognize you. And we see that there has been an issue there in the past. And it is important, yes, to see as many different perspectives as we can, because that's, that's what Jesus does. It's important to stand with people in need. And, and mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I wonder um, what we're afraid of in, in having these conversations. We're afraid of people saying something that wounds us. Because, I, I really do think so, because yeah. if we're standing for truth and justice, we should never be afraid. We should never be afraid. I think that's the thing, though. If, if somebody comes at me and says, well, how dare you say this mm -hmm. in standing with a black person in the midst of what's going on? Because dot, 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 I've experienced my own wounds. And I, well, I'm afraid that they're going to say something and then I get my defenses up and oh, I get all riled up and then I want to. It's because they've wounded my own sensitivities in that moment, I think. And I don't know. Well, it, and that would, that would, that, I think that would drive me to stand up more. Mm -hmm. What I think my fears can be is uh, being to blame. Mm. And I, uh, I know, because uh, in fact, I want to play this from Torn Wells, um, a, a Christian artist, uh, talking about, you know, how, how specifically him as an African American, what he would say to the white community and how they can help. And we were talking about being defensive. And I, I think, um, I don't, I, I know that as he'll say, there's biases in everybody. Yeah. Um, and I know there's thoughts and things that we have said that I, that I certainly regret, but I know that I've never treated somebody different. I know I've, I've never shied away or not given somebody a chance because of the color of their skin. And so I think that I, I just don't want to be lumped in. And I, I think 
that can prevent, even like this person that commented on my Facebook, I think it might be kind of the same thing. You don't want to be lumped into the people that, that really don't get it, mm-hmm. that really are racist, that really don't have the love of God for other people. And so you're like, but I get it. I mean, I, as much as I can, I get it. I've stood for all people. Yeah. Why am I still getting this lecture mm-hmm. even? And so this is what Torn was. Again, this is a, a podcast where an episode where we want to just drop the defenses. And I think Torn Wells uh, really spoke into that. You're talking about um, even if you're not to blame, there's enough responsibility for us all to share. Mm. You know, so I don't think the black community is necessarily looking for white people to take the blame. I think they're looking for everyone to take responsibility for where we are at together as humanity, you know, and I think that it's very natural, you know, I'm having conversations with people that are close to me, my family, where they don't want to be lumped in with all of the people that are white and racist or prejudice or bias. The truth of the matter is we all have prejudices. We all have bias. We all have preconceived ideas about people based on race, based on social status, based on religion, based on gender. We're all dealing with compartmentalizing people. But that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is it gives us a new lens and a new context through which to see people. And it gives us a fundamental uh, principle of empathy to hear the story of other people. And so, you know, what I would say to people that are white, that want to say something just to establish where they're at, you know, it's not some big grand statement. You know, we're not looking for an articulate theological disposition. I think a lot of people are just looking for what happened was wrong. We are sorry. We love you. I mean, really, that's just that's the fundamental of empathy and then you know I think we go from there I think this is a great opportunity to have conversations Mm -hmm. and specifically maybe to bring people into your circle that may have a different experience than you I know even as a Christian surrounded by a lot of Christians a lot of times it's easy to have this echo chamber of the same phrases and the same ideas and the same thoughts we could bring some other people into those conversations i think we could be a lot more understanding of where people are coming from even if we don't agree with the actions that they're taking with the things that they're feeling i i immediately uh started picturing my own child Mm -hmm. when i started hearing stories testimony from moms whose children uh in fact i I had eric this gentleman who passed away, I think it was 2018, it was almost the same exact situation mm-hmm. as George Floyd. And it, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And he died after saying, barely gasping out the words mm-hmm. 12 times in a row. And I, I got very emotional because I thought about my own children. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how this mom, even just even two years after, is able to speak in regards to her son and here she is just beaming, telling us about who he was and how his smile just would if he was one of those people. And you love hearing those stories, but you also hate hearing those stories because, okay, this tells me he's he's like one of my dear friends that lights up the room. I, I can relate to how she's, you know, talking about him because I have a person in my life that does that. I can see him doing that, you know. 
And I think that helps to calm uh, the heated conversation because now I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of another. And that's important. And it, uh, yes, I think uh, here's what happens if you're listening to this conversation and you immediately go, but what about my shoes? I've experienced loss. I've experienced wounding. Will anyone get into my shoes? I know those thoughts personally when I get into heated conversations, not necessarily in regards to this particular subject at all, but when I, when I do find myself defensive, the Lord calmly, lovingly reminds me, it's not about me. Mm. And, and I have to really hear that because it's not that he does not collect my tears because he says in his word, he does. He grieves with me. He is with me in the very depths of despair. Psalm 139, there is nowhere that I can go where he is not present. He loves me. He made this life about me in a sense because he died for me. But now he's asking me to do the same, to die to myself, to pick up my cross, follow after him, and to now try to do my best in observing life from the shoes of another. Not that my own pain should not be addressed. But is this the time? Mm. As you shared mm-hmm. in, in your scenario with the hospital situation, in your pretend scenario, if I have the broken arm, yes, your wound needs tending. Mm-hmm. But is this the time? And so to take that, that moment to breathe, to pause, how can I come alongside someone who has said, I have felt the pain through my family's voice now. It has been passed down from generation to generation about the injustices that we have felt, that we have experienced, that we have witnessed. And I, I, it is a humbling thing. And I, I need to observe humility as being what Jesus did yeah. in serving his disciples and washing their feet. Was that the best thing that he could think of to do in that moment, moments before he died on a cross, the most brutal death, the most painful experience of certainly the times, crucifixion, you know, No, I'm sure he could have thought of a lot of better stuff. I get first dibs on the pita bread. You know, I'm sure he (laughs) could have thought a lot, but that was his example. And I'm constantly reminded about where I lack in that department, Carter. Humbling myself. Can we have human empathy? And, you know, you see the tears well up in Rochelle's eyes. Well, she's talking about somebody else's child because she thinks of her own. You put yourself in somebody else's shoes as best she can. And, uh, you know, let's just say even... There's 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 facts and maybe you want to you think we as a country should handle this in a little bit different way than what other people are saying. But let me I I referenced this a few weeks ago and I want to read this post if that's okay. I I've been writing future lessons to my son. I love that. Now, I wrote this at a different time. This post isn't about racism. Okay, but I think it goes along well, if you don't mind. Never argue with a crying person. (laughs) Jesus listened so well. He tells us to come to him when we are weary. Jesus also wept after his friend Lazarus died. Crying and stopping to console or even cry with others is okay. In fact, it's encouraged. Yet sometimes we find ourselves arguing with a person that becomes emotional. I just talked about the fact that I, that, that people love to be right. I had done that in a different lesson and I wanted to be right so bad. And then the waterworks come And I still feel like I'm right. The point is, that can wait. 
When people cry in a disagreement, it's something else entirely that's going on in the world. And this is the cherry on top. That, that part may not work. Um, but <clears throat> I may even stop right there. I think that's really good, though. Yeah. And the, the point is, don't. It, it's not empathetic to try to argue your way through a conversation where somebody's crying. Even if you think they're dead wrong about any, whatever the topic yeah. is, it, we can hold off on it. Let me get, I'll give you a hug. I have been married to my husband for, it'll be 16 years tomorrow. And I dated him for about a year before that. So 17 years total in knowing this man. I think most people would agree when you get married to a person, it's two worlds coming together, mm -hmm. two backgrounds because of two different experiences from two different sets of rules and two different homes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even more so when it's a different culture. And my husband's culture, he is uh, the son of immigrant parents who became citizens of the United States from Mexico. And his, actually, they were like, they worked really hard with English with the firstborn son, which is my brother-in-law. And then with my husband, they're like, just watch Sesame Street. You're learning Spanish. <laughs> he first. learned it from Sesame Street? So Spanish was really his first language and, and English followed because of Big Bird. Thank you, Big Bird. Yeah. And uh, I have been learning ever since being married to him, being with him, this culture. And there are times where I get offended mm -hmm. because something will be said in a way that is not familiar to me. And I, you're like, well, that happens in every family, like with your in-laws. No, yeah, I get it. But like literally two cultures coming together mm -hmm. with totally different ways. The outspoken way that his family is at a dinner table, but they're reserved in in public places is interesting to me. This was this culture. This is the way he was raised. Let's get it out of the table at home. But we're going to keep the peace in public places. This is interesting. And there were times when we would be breaking bread, if you will, across the table. And my mother-in-law would say something. And I'm like, oh, my word. I can't believe she said that. And she totally meant it in love. Yeah. It was just different. It was different. Uh -huh. It was but that is love to share with you the way I'm feeling in this moment because that's what my mom did with me. And so when I finally started kind of not even translating words, I'm just translating actions. This is what this means in our culture. You know, it starts helping me have this different perspective about, oh, okay, so you're not being rude. You're just being loving. Mm -hmm. Well, let me help try to figure this out in my own world and in my own brain. And I don't want it to trigger frustration and sensitivities in me to that caused me to start to become bitter about something and I know cause to be bitter about because that's the way she did it. And what's really amazing is that when she realized that hurt my daughter, because she calls me my daughter, mm -hmm. when she realized that, oh my, where my, my mother-in-law, I'm not going to get emotional again. Maybe I will. I don't know. She loves me so much that she would try her best to come. Oh, I never would do that to hurt you. Try to understand my culture what an amazing, see, here's just an incredible representation of two people who are choosing to love each other. I want to get past whatever this ugliness is. Now, here's the difficulty, though. I'm married to my husband, so there is going to be a concerted effort to make sure that I am, you know, having a good, solid relationship with my husband's family mm -hmm. and, you know, who he is. And because that is important to myself, to the foundation of our family with our children, I want it to be a strong, integritous foundation. Do we want that for America? We may not be married to each other, but don't we want that to be the way it is? Because 
when Martin Luther King Jr. shared his I Have a Dream speech, he talked about seeing one day it's going to be all colors. And I know that's what heaven's going to look like. And can we bring, just like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is now, it can be in, in part, in pieces. How do we help establish that peace right here, right now? It has to be that mentality of, I want to work together with you to create this incredible experience. That if wounded you, I will work on that. That wounded you, I will work on that. Can we do that together? We have to want it together. But, and you were like, well, maybe I want it. And that person over there doesn't, don't worry about that other person. Mm. I can't worry about the actions of others at that, that table where we're breaking bread. But Jesus said, you can choose what you choose to do. You can control what you choose to do. So what do I choose to do? I'm not going to argue with you because you were crying in there for a minute. So I was crying. I know that. <laughs> and you, as you wrote to Ezra, don't ever argue. That's right. With yeah. No, yeah. I think, I think like you said there at the last, it, it's a, an easy mentality to say, well, America's not going to change or my family's not going to change or whatever on, on any subject. Uh, so I won't really put a lot of stock into this. Mm. But if everybody says that, because I mean, and that's, we get these, Satan will use that, right? Yeah. This, well, nobody else is really going to do it or I won't make a difference is another thing that comes to mind. Yeah. So I'm just not going to worry about it. But man, one person can help spark a change. My word. Uh, your, your actions. And so that's what, you know, honestly, I feel a lot of the times when we talk about this, mainly we're kind of, when we're envisioning you uh, listening, we're kind of talking to white people a lot of the time, just expressing what we learn because I think African-Americans already know this, you know? And so I, if you're African-American and listening, I hope you're, you're encouraged by what we're saying. But I, I guess it's, I also hope to the my white brother and sister that's, that's listening, don't feel like this is a lecture. We're just trying to spark something. Just encourage and drop the defenses and, and listen to them a little more and, and love people better. Yeah. So I want to share, um, and I don't know that I've ever I've ever thought that. I think that's interesting that you just shared that, that I'm mainly talking to a white audience because that's, that's your culture, that's your background, that's what you know. Mm-hmm. But now mine's kind of been broadened, so I might be able to speak from my white perspective, though, mm-hmm. into a little bit more of a multicultural thing, at least in the Hispanic community, from my very partial understanding still. And I, I'm talking about this subject. When oh, I imagine, when I, okay. yeah, not overall. I I'm gotcha. talking to anybody about anything, but when well, I think yeah. about this subject, I don't feel the authority sure. to speak into, you know, you know, anything, anybody else. I think it's also very interesting. If you believe what the Bible has to say, we all came from the same place. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to the beginning mm-hmm. in Genesis, so, I mean, I think it's always very, very weird um, how people will use the argument of race for purity or whatever it is. It's weird. It's crazy. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. And if anything, that that spit test that you can do to find out where your genes come from, uh-huh. that should break down racial barriers right there. It's like, oh, my word, I have all of this in me. That's amazing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, but that does not mean that you should not continue to embrace the culture you're from. Oh, sure. And, and learn about other cultures, yeah, too. Celebrate where you're from. That is a part of who you are in character. It has stretched you. It has grown you. It has taught you. That's awesome. We as a staff um, went to a gospel brunch uh, last year. We do a little, I think is it, what do we do, a Christmas retreat every year? We mm-hmm. do something fun in December? Yeah. Maybe it was two years ago. My gosh, it's just going fast. Uh, but we do, we, we went to a little gospel brunch. Um 
great food. And then it was just, it's, it's, that's a music that I am not too familiar with. Um, I think just understanding and learning and appreciating where people are coming from and spotlighting our, our differences in terms of things like that, music and food and culture. Um, but understanding we're all human beings. And what I said to uh, my friend that's African-American the other day, I said, what I'm hearing from you after he, he gave me a lot of good stuff. I said, treat people like an individual. And he goes, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like rocket science, does yeah. it? And, you know, that's what, you know, we've heard. <laughs> base it on merit. Base it on character. Uh, surround yourself with people that will uplift you and push you closer to God and help you dream and embrace you. But it it should not be based on appearance. So obviously this is something that we have been thinking a lot about. You've been thinking a lot about uh we usually in the Anything But Quiet Time podcast try to incorporate something from our quiet time. This morning, uh, something that Jesus shared and then is kind of uh, recalled by Paul in Scripture as well um, is when Jesus said, I'm really excited that, God, you have shared this with the, quote, least of these. These things, these these uh, treasures from heaven that you've shared with the least of these and withheld them from, you know, the high society folk. Mm-hmm. The people that would be uh, assumed that they would get it first because they're rich or they're famous or they have family name status, you Mm -hmm. know. And Paul reiterates this. When it's translated from the Greek, it's actually quite harsh sounding. That these things have been withheld from those with good genes. It's talking about those who are like super geniuses Albert Einstein actually had a niece who had zillions of doctorates because she had the genes too, good genes. Mm. But it's also talking about those who were of royal blood, who stayed in good standing because of the name, that they assumed the role of king again, or those who might be famous. And because, oh, your mom's that person? Well, I'm going to give you a discount. Paul said that these truths are being revealed not to those people with the good genes. The literal translation is it's been held for the, quote, morons. Wow. I'm like, wow, that's harsh. What does that mean? It means the Roman government government at the time looked at this group of so-called Christians following the way. What? Christ followers? They're silly. A lot of them were very low income, the, the, the Christians of the time. So they were looked at as this silly group of people who meant nothing, had no status at all. And God was revealing who he was to them, the people that would be considered waste, idiots, morons, you know, those people. Mm. And I think about that. If you've ever looked at yourself and wondered, what can God do with me? Well, how can God use my words? How could God use my stance on Facebook? My reaction to what is going on in the world around me, Mm. even with coworkers or family, conversation, how could I make a difference in having this talk with someone else of a different color? Yeah. You look at what words of Paul said, God has chosen to reveal these incredible truths through us, through yeah, his people. I, I am the moron and I'm, and I'm glad <laughs> I'm honestly glad to be because, you, and that's, that's, that's a whole other lesson in not taking yourself too seriously and being humble and sure. uh, realizing, you know, a, a foolish person is somebody who thinks that he knows everything, yes. you know? And so that goes along with, learning other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And also, like you said, if if God is going to trust me with, with his message and his love, then his power 
yeah. is going to come through that. There you go. And so even though I feel not qualified, right. I don't feel like a, a an activist or somebody that can be speaking on these things, uh, regardless of the color of my skin. I can get on Facebook or talk on a podcast or just talk to the people in my life. I prefer that last one. Yeah. Just talk. In-person conversations. things can be taken out of context when you're not in person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be amazing if we could have a sit-down conversation with you who's listening right now, just you and us personally. And that obviously can't happen because we're maybe in different places, different time frames even. But it can change the world. It can change the world. When you, when you say, Lord, use me. Oh, my word. Mm -hmm. And then it told us in this devotional I was reading about the Greek translation, it said, just go back through biblical history. Look at the people that God used. I mean, my word, the first one I think of, I'm going to reference David. Mm -hmm. Here's the one that looked the least of out of the group of brothers. Samuel the prophet comes to Jesse's house, David's dad. All right, there's going to be a king in this house. God's going to anoint him. And he goes through the most handsome group of hotties ever the oh that guy's stronger than the last guy it's got to be this guy it's got to be they get to the scrawny shepherd boy him that's that guy that's who god chose to reveal mm -hmm. his power through he doesn't need arnold schwarzenegger i'm sure he would welcome him on board i don't know arnold's status in faith i'm just saying he doesn't need the the guy with all the rippling muscles yeah yeah per se he can use me mm. and he wants to yeah i love that that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, we'd ask that you pray about it too. Um, this whole thing and, uh, and obviously, you know, faith and, and how God has you in any facet of life. Um, but, uh, we definitely want change and we want healing and we want to have a, cause I know some people will say it's just going to get better in heaven. You know, it's got to wait, just wait it out till heaven, but heaven can be on earth now in a form. It's never going to be perfect but we can achieve a lot more than where we're at right now. You're making me think about that, that message that Jesus said so clearly. If you acknowledge me here on earth, I will acknowledge you in heaven. Mm. And I think, well, what does that mean? Saying the name of Jesus, proclaiming the name of Jesus. Yes. All of these things, but also standing for what he stands for and standing alongside those in pain mm. who are asking for help. Even if you again, go to the Samaritan story who stopped by and helped a person that he was not in alignment with culturally a different race and bent down to help one in need. Mm. Um, that is what Jesus said, loving your neighbor looks like. So how can I do that on a daily basis in any scenario? But certainly this is the one presented to us today. What will I do? Thank you. We will talk to you soon. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and uh, even more on this, on other subjects of hope uh, at hopeondemand.com. And we'll see you there. Love you.